Good morning, Anna, and welcome to the Local Paleo Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. I take it everybody's wonderfully well. Guest comes first. Yes, all good here in uh, Switzerland. All right, all right, and I am well, thank you. So, uh, first off, everyone should know that you are a mix of Swedish and Finnish, and you live currently in Switzerland, so that means that Local Pillow Show is going international. Yes, it is, yeah? and uh, adding your guys' backgrounds and where you are and where you're from, that's just a wonderful mix of everything. <laughs> right. Thank you, thank you. So um, you have lived with type 1 diabetes for 30 years, and you call yourself a diabetes expert. Yes. Can you tell us about your background and um, uh, you know, give us your story, basically? Absolutely. I was diagnosed in 1985 when I was two years old. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which came as a shock to my whole family, and uh, especially <laughs> to my very... Um, injection afraid mother <laughs> I think she still is today um, and uh, no one in my family has it from before because it can be hereditary but it wasn't in my case um, and the wonderful um, sort of dietary prescriptions back then which haven't mm. changed much today but it was sort of 60% carbs with every meal uh, preferably whole grain because they're so good for you um, mm. And if you uh, if you have fruit as a dessert, you get extra points. And if you drink skim milk, low-fat milk to your food, oh my God, mm. you're just doing a, yourself a miracle. Yeah, yeah, super bad miracle maybe, but um, yeah, no, it was it was a tough time growing up because frankly we didn't know any better. And in the 80s and early 90s, we didn't have the the wonderful technology and the insulins that we have today that helped manage this disease a lot. Mm. How did you survive that kind of diet? Well, I didn't. Um, I ended up uh, in my teenage years being very rebellious because, of course, nothing worked. Whatever I did, it didn't work. I mm. tried this this way of eating and these timings and these insulins and these things, and that didn't work. And then I tried something else and that didn't work because, of course, I... I kept eating the carbs and the sugar because I was told. Yeah. Right. So now in hindsight, I say that I was actually brainwashed um, when it came to food because I was told at every appointment with dietitians, with nurses, with doctors that, yes, you have to eat these carbs. They're, they're uh, important for your survival, for your development. Your brain is going to slow down if you don't eat them, you know, all these things. And I'm like, mm, okay, right. well, that sounds plausible because they're supposed to know, right? They were right. my experts at that time. Right, um, right. But uh, not, I mean, not only, of course, we know better now, but that's actually dangerous for you, right? Yeah, of course. Like I'm I mean, dietist. The di diabetes is, is the whole point of that. You can't process sugar and carbs properly uh, right. like, a norm like a normal healthy person uh, does. And right. adding then loads of carbs and sugar to that, for me, is like fueling the fire. You're just yeah, making yeah. Thing so much worse. Fine, mm -hmm. you can't cure yourself from type one diabetes. You, it, it's an autoimmune disease. It's chronic. It's I will uh, unless they figure out a cure pretty soon. I uh, probably won't live without it in my lifetime. 
Uh, mm. But you can make your management so much easier if you just mm. cut that down. And that is what I keep sharing with everyone that I meet. <laughs> right, right. So you, you're a proponent of the keto diet. How do you define that about the keto diet and, um, you know, uh, share your experience with when, what happened when you started to go that way? Absolutely. I was, uh, after a quite a severe professional burnout, I was starting to think what I wanted to do with my life. And I thought after many turns and twists and all of these things that wonderful life uh, gives you, um, I started thinking, well, why don't I do nutrition? At that point, I had lived with type one for 26 years. And I thought, hey, it's going to be easy to become a nutrition coach. I can help other people eating right and all this stuff. It's going to be fantastic to, to do this. And I'm going to help so many people. Yeah, uh, I didn't help. Or, yeah, in the beginning, I didn't help that many people, only this one, myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> N equals one experiment. Um, mm -hmm. But my teacher, when we were talking about carbs and insulin and how that whole functions in the body, um, he pointed me out in front of the class and he said, Hannah, you don't even produce insulin. You should really think twice about what you're eating. Mm. And I was like, what is happening right now? How is this person who is not a doctor, not a nurse, not a dietitian, and he's very, he was, he's very advanced within um, sort of nutrition science, but he's not a dietitian. How hmm. can he tell me what I'm supposed to eat when no one else has been able to for 26 years? Right. So I got really annoyed i was angry and i was frustrated and i felt betrayed and i felt like yeah, i'd be, been lied to because that was essentially the truth and so i slowly started going from the ada very hard high carb sort of way of eating that i've been told to eat for so long i started cutting out slowly i cut out first i cut out everything with gluten and i mm. immediately saw on my blood sugars how much better i i was doing and then I started cutting out all the other grains, you know, just step by step, cutting down on carbs. And with every step, I noticed how much better I was doing, how much better values I had, how much less insulin I needed to take. Because mm -hmm. this, is, this is the problem when you have type 1, that if you add a lot of carbs and then you have to add insulin to cover for it, you have mm -hmm. this very volatile um, non-equilibrium, equilibrium sort of thing that you can't sustain. It's very difficult to sustain it. So the less carbs, the less insulin you have to sort of moderate it with, you have a lot less changes and then you're essentially sugar, sugar surfing rather than roller coasting your, your way through life. Right, and right. Uh, for me realizing that, um, I again got very angry at <laughs> all the advice that I had gotten, but I started to realize, hey, there is a different way. You can do this but you can do it in a much easier, much less um, aggressive and much, um, much more maintainable way mm -hmm. rather than trying to chase after, you know, each big dose, you have to chase with a lot of food or the other way around, or if you do something, yeah. There's so many variables that, that just uh, uh, can destroy a good balance. And right. if you cut out at least the biggest one, which is a lot of sugar and carbs, then you have at least one problem less <laughs> with your blood sugar. Mm. So uh, can you explain for people that 
do not know what the keto diet is. Can you explain the keto diet? What, what is keto and, and what kind of food you eat and, and uh, how does it affect you? Yeah. Um, so I started sort of liberal paleo and that was six years ago now. Yay. And uh, now I've gotten to a very low, super low carb version of low carb, which is the ketogenic diet which means that I personally feel the best and I really thrive when I eat less than 20 grams of carbs a day. Mm -hmm. um, keto can go up to 50 grams of carbs a day is very possible and still stay in, in sort of a, and the whole point of a ketogenic diet is that you burn fat instead of sugar. Mm -hmm. For energy. Exactly for energy. And so, um, that gives your body this flexibility to burn fat when that's available and then if you have you know if you for example for me when my blood sugar gets if it, it gets dangerously low then I need to have sugar quite immediately mm. Um, mm. but it can also burn off that so I'm quite lucky in that way that I've uh, I've made my body burn both but the whole point mm. is that you burn uh, fat for energy instead of um, sugar and that's the difference for to for example a paleo diet where there's a lot of things that I can't eat that is uh, allowed, which is, for example, fruits and, and dried fruits and honey and stuff like that, that is detrimental to my blood sugars and my health. So mm. that's for me personally, and everyone has to find their own sort of um, threshold of uh, carb mm. intake. Um, but for me personally, uh, a very low carb diet is mm. the best. Okay, so for example, to give people uh, some ideas, what, what typically, what kind of food do you eat? Oh, they should just follow me on Instagram. I post everything there. <laughs> oh, okay. But no, uh, for example, if we take a day like yesterday, I had uh, three fried eggs and a lot of butter for, for lunch. I don't eat bref breakfast, which probably, uh, probably annoys quite one or two dietitians out there, especially if they mm. work with people with diabetes, but I don't eat breakfast because I'm mm. just not hungry and I don't feel like antagonizing my body more than I have to with food. So mm. I eat when I'm hungry. So that's usually lunchtime around 12, one uh, o'clock. And yesterday I had three fried eggs in a ton of butter and a few little decoration vegetables on the side, um, which I was very happy uh, with. And I kept uh, full until dinner at six, seven, eight, depending on my schedule. And then I had a really good uh, Italian uh, sort of um, ragu bolognese sauce, meat sauce with uh, sauerkraut. <laughs> okay, sauerkraut, yeah. So you, you can, <laughs> right, right. So uh, you, you can still eat vegetables. You just have to be careful what kind of vegetables you eat, right? Uh, yes, for example, that uh, root vegetables for me are not great because they're quite uh, carby in comparison to, for mm. example, broccoli or, or uh, cauliflower or spinach or something like that. Uh, my absolute favorite is um, oven, uh, oven fried asparagus with Parmesan cheese on top. That is mm. my favorite. <laughs> mm. Sounds yummy. So you typically uh, uh, steam your food or your vegetables or do you saute them in fat? Uh, well, I use a lot of fat in my cooking, um, and that's the way I keep sort of enough fat for my body to, to still mm -hmm. thrive on, on uh, low carb uh, or this low carb. Um, but I've actually 
sort of stopped adding fat to the meal when it's done. So in the beginning to get my body going, I used to mm. add a lot of fats like butter or fatty sauces or, or sour cream or, you know, cheeses or something to the meal so that, you know, I would feel full. But now I've actually resorted to that. It's a lot easier to just put it in the cooking and then right. uh, refrain from adding it on the right. plate. So you're, you're, you're so keto, you even put coconut oil on your face. <laughs> yes, it's the best makeup remover. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, I should know. So from, from what you just told us, it sounds like the keto diet is much more appropriate for... Uh, diabetes than the paleo diet right well it depends and, um okay. and that's where i'm i'm so um adamant about about teaching people that it, you have to find your personal limit of carbs mm -hmm. so for some for some diabetics it's perfectly fine to eat 100 grams of carbs a day and call it low carb uh, sort of paleo with all these fruits and and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's absolutely fine. They manage it absolutely fantastically well and have better results than I do. Uh, mm. But so it's very important then that you find your own, your own way of low carbing. And I think that is emerging to be a bigger and bigger um, issue or not issue, but question in the low carb world, because uh, there's a lot of talking about whether you should eat this much protein or this much fat or this many carbs or, you know, and I think it's, it's very important to, to just pinpoint what works for you and what right. makes you and feel the best. And because I'm lucky enough to have a little meter that tells me at all times if I'm doing something right or wrong with my food and insulin and, mm -hmm. and exercise and stress levels and all this stuff. Uh, but everyone doesn't have that. And then you have to be really vigilant in listening to what your body is telling you. So how do you suggest they do that? Do they have like, uh, are they um, monitors or how, how do you figure out what works for you? Of course, it depends on what your, uh, what your problem is. If you mm -hmm. have blood sugar issues, then absolutely check with your blood sugar meter what you just ate and, and if, that, if you're taking any med medication, if that worked out well. Um, but if not, then, you know, how do you feel after a meal? How do you feel mm -hmm. after eating... I don't know, a cheese plate for dessert, as I know is, is a big thing where you guys are from. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, or for example, so can you take dairy or how do you feel after eating a piece of bread again after a bit of a break? Does it feel good in your body? Do you feel any different? Do you feel mm -hmm. good? Do you feel bad? I think it's really important to, to uh, not focus too much on, on being perfect because no one is and it's, you right. have to give that that thought up um, and if you in the beginning I think it's fantastic to track your your eating with something like chronometer or, or my fitness pal or something like that but I think in the long run to do that every day just gets tedious and demotivating it it does for me at least and I know there are very many right. <laughs> with me yeah. out there so as you soon as you find out what sort of works for you then you you can start working from there yeah, you still need to enjoy life. I mean, you can't just Absolutely. be so obsessed that as long as you find your balance. Yeah, uh, one thing I found that most people are not uh, 
in touch with their body they they, they don't they're not aware of mm. how their body reacts they just assume oh it's okay i just pop a pill exactly because, right yeah no no and and i uh, i see that a lot with the people that i work with and and in online forums and facebook groups and everything where i'm in they're like well i eat like this because i was told i was told to eat like this but I'm not losing any weight or I'm not seeing the results that I want in my blood sugars or I don't see mm. this. And I'm like, well, what does your body tell you? Oh, mm. well, I'm supposed to eat like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good rule of thumb, but you know, you still have to tweak it to make it yours. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's always interesting when, when people um, start daring to listen to your, to their bodies because it, it it knows. It knows exactly what you should eat and what you should yeah. eat, what, what makes right. you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And uh, the ways of getting there is sometimes longer than, than others. Right, right. And um, depending on the kind of food you're, you're um, sensitive to, uh, you could be, your body can be pretty noisy about it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> In many ways. <laughs> In many ways, yeah. So, um, thank you for explaining that. Uh, can we talk about the Low Carb Universe event? Oh, we yeah. can. <laughs> you, have a, you have a big event coming soon, actually. It's um, this month or next month? Next month. Uh, it's in November, 14th. November, yeah. 19th of November. So, what can you tell us about the Low Carb Universe event? Well, it's going to take place in uh, Mallorca, Spain, uh, which is a lovely little island for those of you who don't know, in the Mediterranean, um, with beautiful weather even in November. So I'm hoping, keeping my fingers crossed, that it'll stay that way. And what we're doing is a very interactive event. So we're combining um, talks for, by some of the world's biggest low-carb experts with also workshops, for example, and we're focusing a lot on nutrition, of course, all meals are uh, low carb, high fat, um, or at least low carb, and uh, all the, there, there's a focus on movement, on joy, on, on the mental aspect of, of uh, living low carb and everything like that, that is usually not maybe paid attention to that much at other events. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So we're super excited to welcome um, quite a lot of people from very many corners of the world to uh, Mallorca and Spain in November. Great. I'm tempted to jump on the plane and, and come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, will you be speaking there? Uh, I will, yes. Uh, we kick off, actually we have our, our kickoff dinner on the 14th of November, which is, of course, World Diabetes Day. So the day after we have a themed diabetes or duobetes as we want to call it because it's more fun. Um, mm. And I'll, yeah, I'll be speaking about type one diabetes and low carb because it, I feel, or we feel it's a message that needs to get out and yeah. it's not, not that available on the bigger um, conferences yet. Right, right. Well, it's coming. I'm sure it's going to be <laughs> your event sure. will will become famous. Uh, who else will be speaking there? Can you throw some names at us? I know that, um, what's the gentleman's name? Uh, Jimmy Moore, right? Uh, yeah, 
Jimmy won't be making it in person, but he's uh, oh, doing okay. a web, web uh, sort of presentation, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, but people who are there are, for example, uh, Dr. Eric Westman, uh, Ivor Cummins is there, um, Dr. Jeffrey Gerber, Stephanie Dodier, who, you, who I saw you interviewed a couple of yes. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, Emily McGuire is there, Jamie Caparoso, Daryl Edwards and his primal play sessions. Yeah, great. We have some uh, dance classes going on. We have some yoga. Um, yes, it's a big old mix of, of things. So we're really, really excited to uh, finally push this boat out. <laughs> so it's not just sitting for hours on end. It's no. just there's also movement and exercise. Yeah, so, and so the way we've, we've uh, organized <coughs> it is that in the mornings between sort of nine and one or something, we have a few lectures, three to four of them, very easy going instead of, you know, trying to cram in as much as we can. And mm. then in the afternoons, we have uh, the workshops where people can mm. really choose which, which questions they are most um, passionate about, what they need to discuss more, where they maybe need some more help. And uh, so we, we think we have a quite a good concept going. <laughs> so is there also dancing at night? Nightclubs? I know Mallorca is famous for their nightclubs, right? Well, we won't be visiting the, them, but we'll make our own in, in worst case. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, any time for sunbathing? Absolutely. We, Absolutely. Uh, we make sure that everyone has time for what they want to do. It's good for vitamin D, right? Absolutely. And we have to prepare for winter, as at least here in uh, middle of yeah. Europe and northern Europe, yeah. where, my, where my colleague is from, who's organizing yeah. this with me. Um, yeah. We have to uh, soak up all the sun that we can. <laughs> Speaking of which, I have a, a just question popped in my mind is, um, tell us about the, the, how exercise, exercising can help diabetes uh, sufferers. Yeah, uh, no, exercise is, is one of the key points to live a very good life with diabetes because it helps the energy to go into yourself. It, it sort of makes you more insulin sensitive. Uh, and this mm. is especially true for people who suffer from type 2 diabetes because their insulin resistance is, of course, the key um, characteristic. Mm -hmm. And so basically exercising, it doesn't even have to be hard exercising, just moving your body is very important both for your, for the mental aspects of living with, with a chronic disease and well, for anyone, but if we're keeping the diabetes in the, in the spotlight there, um, exercise helps a lot, but also for the physical sort of, it really helps keep your blood sugar more uh, stable and uh, more easily manageable. Which is right. <laughs> so uh, no specific kind of exercise, more like moving. So it could be uh, walking, dancing, uh, bicycling, uh, yeah, running, I guess. Whatever you think is fun. And that's the main point. Um, because as you said before, and I completely agree, you have to enjoy life. You can't just right. sit, you know, and, and do what you're supposed to do, so-called. You have right. to be able to enjoy life. And then I... Um, very much encourage people to find the forms of exercise and movement that they really enjoy. Now, being French, I have a question. Is bedroom exercise uh, recommended too? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, whatever gets your heart rate pumping, man. <laughs> okay, there you go. 
now, you and I met uh, recently in Austin, uh, the KetoCon uh, gathering. Uh, can you tell us your experience? Uh, you know, what was it your was, experience? It was a fantastic event. And I, ha I don't think I've ever <coughs> been to such a well-produced and well-organized event as that one, actually. Um, I loved uh, the fact that there were so many real-life speakers that spoke about their experience and what they've gone through and all this stuff and not only i mean i'm very into the whole low carb thing and i love the science part but sometimes at some conferences it gets a little a little much <laughs> mm. so i was very happy to see new faces make meet new friends make, make new acquaintances in the low carb world people who've done some remarkable journeys and mm. you know it's just like goosebump worthy when i was sitting there listening to them i'm like oh <gasps> wow, I can't, you know, just the recovery from, from really severe injuries, for example, or, or um, this woman talking about bipolar disease and how low carb has helped her. And it was just fantastic. And I, I really enjoyed every single part of it. And the audience was amazing. 500 people and nothing but love in that audience. So it was, uh, it was really enriching and it reminded me of why I keep doing this. <laughs> right. Did you enjoy uh, Austin? Austin was fantastic. It was such a pleasant surprise actually yeah. <laughs> because I did not expect a city, well this is prejudice of me, but I did not expect uh, a city in Texas to be that cool. Like all these cool little cafes and independent bars and restaurants and not that many big chains and then cool mm -hmm. shops and everything. I was, I was super surprised. And people are right. so friendly that uh, it, was, uh, it was great yeah. to visit. <clears throat> I hope to come back one day. Uh, last question from me is, where can we find information about you and your work and how? Uh, yes, I have a website where I will pick up blogging again. It has... Uh, it has sort of uh, gotten slow there for a while, but I will pick it up again uh, very soon. And that is hannaboetius.com, and I'm sure we can link to that. Can and, you spell uh, that? Because uh, it's not, um, yes, please spell it so that it's easier for people because it's not that easy to spell, being that it's a Swedish name, right? Yes, H-A-N-N-A-B-O-E. T-H-I-U-S dot com. Thank you. Thank you. You're Mark, your turn. My turn already? Gosh. <laughs> um, I want to just jump back a little bit to when you were talking about, you know, the foods that are good for you and the foods that aren't. Now, it's going to be a bit of a generalization, I know, but what would you say are your three go-to foods when you just want something that's tasty? You know it's going to fill you up, but it's not going to, ruin your blood sugar levels at all? Um, well, protein and fat. So uh, there's a lot of eggs in my fridge, <laughs> for example. Um, meat um, always goes down, some bacon never, uh, is never wrong. Uh, and chicken, of course, all kinds of chicken. So those would be my three, I guess. <laughs> okay, so let's go the other end, you know. Not foods that we all know, you know, bread and pasta and those sort of things, but what would you say are three surprising foods that can interfere with blood sugar? 
Ah, wow. Uh, this is very interesting because, of course, as everything else within health and wellness, uh, it's very individual. But for me, personally, um, pumpkin can be mm-hmm. way too much. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, I react weirdly to raw cabbage. <laughs> if, I, mm-hmm. if I chew on raw cabbage, my blood sugar goes up, which is mm-hmm. super um, And, of course, certain sweeteners that aren't mm-hmm. maybe sugar-free at all. <laughs> right. Okay. right. Which, which um, ones, speaking... ones are those that uh, upset you? Uh, for exa- example, if I buy a powdered stevia that is mm-hmm. mixed with the maltodextrin, Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. Speaking of which, um, uh, is there any kind of desserts that you can have? Cheese. <laughs> right, but um, anything made with uh, coconut oil, for example? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like the, there are, I mean, the whole of Google is full of low-carb uh, dessert recipes, and I'm okay. very thankful. For example, when I have people over that I can make a dessert that sort of everyone can at least semi-enjoy. <laughs> right, right. Because you could do, you could do even um, a, a, a creme brulee with coconut milk and eggs. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And then, yeah, you know, exactly. uh, you, um, could adjust, or- you, you could adjust some recipes nowadays with all these new um, like milk products that didn't exist a few years ago, right? Exactly. And for example, panna cotta is super easy. Mm. You can just put sweetener in instead of sugar. Or um, I make uh, a brownie that I really love, which is without nuts or anything. It's basically a a bit of cream cheese, eggs, uh, cocoa powder, and a few other ingredients. But it, it comes out tasting fantastic. So there are ways of still enjoying dessert on keto. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to reassure people out there. Yeah, it is still oh, yeah. possible. It's not boring. You can. It is what you make of it. <laughs> right. Sorry, Mark. That's okay. Not a problem. Now, now because of your your particular f- form and and the way that uh, your particular your diabetes affects you particularly, you're almost on constant monitoring. I think for your blood sugar, aren't you? I am. Yes, I have a, yes. a CGM here even. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that measures my blood sugar every five minutes. That sends right. it to a little, little uh, receiver, and then I can basically see. Um, oops, uh, I can see how my blood sugar is doing at all times. So that's very handy and very practical. But of course, uh, then I also have an insulin pump. But these two devices don't talk to each other, so I still have to be the connecting link. <laughs> <laughs> So that's where I could uh, maybe see a little, little bit of improvement on the diabetes management side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in technology. <laughs> this is true. But is that blood sugar monitor you've got? Is it something that anybody can get, or is it something that's only available via a doctor? Uh, it depends on in which country you are, of course, and depends on your health insurance. Um, but uh, any, at least, pro- person who has who uses insulin can get one quite easily. Hmm. Now the reason I ask is if, you know, if you've got foods that you think are, not you personally, but someone may, may yeah. have foods that they think are affecting them, that I, I assume gives it almost an instant response, doesn't it, within five minutes or something like that? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, for so, example, there, there's another version, for example, in the UK that you can, I think, even buy uh, over the counter, which hmm. is called the Freestyle Libre. 
which is basically you have this coin-sized little button on the back of your arm, and then you can scan uh, with the with the monitor um, what your blood sugar is when you're curious to see that. Mm. Okay, so it could be a way that um, people could use to monitor how foods affect them and, and start to really fine-tune their diets. Exactly, and that's why I was so excited when these uh, rumors about uh, Apple's uh, CEO, Tim Cook, trying the, the new Apple Watch with the alleged uh, blood sugar meter in it, because mm. I think that would really give people the insight to what the, how their bodies are reacting and mm. what is happening in their bodies when they eat this, you know, standard American carb-filled Western diet, actually not even American mm. anymore, sadly. Um, no. But it would give people a lot of insight, I think. Um, and I was super excited, but I guess I'll have to wait a couple more years. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is true. This is true. Well, that's all from me. I mean, I've been very interested in what you've had to say anyway. I'm so interested, I forgot to think about my own questions. <laughs> <Let me know. laughs> we'll have to do round two. <laughs> we will. We will. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to add before we uh, do the famous close? I think we've been quite thorough. Okay. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we we may we may um, um, do a second show on the uh, you know after your event in Mallorca. Yeah. Next year, sometime next year, like early next year, sometime we we like. Yeah, maybe to, we have to we have to make one for the next event too. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Yes, absolutely. You should do one in uh, Hawaii or, you know, some... <laughs> Believe me, we have a list of places where we want to go. <laughs> okay. All right. So you change every time? You change location every time? Or? Well, we'll see. Uh, it's it's okay. a possibility. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you again, Anna, for being on the local paleo show. And as we say in Texas, a votre santé, y'all. Okay. <laughs> Thanks again, Anna. It's been lovely having you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming.